Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, we are talking about your children and their health, and much of it involves your health as well. Dr. Nellie Glusman, known as Dr. Mom and founder of BlossomPediatrics.com, is a holistic pediatrician, and she blew me away with her practical advice on getting everybody healthy. You'll get to meet her right after this. Okay, so the kids are back in school. Now what? Now it's time to do something for you and your home by calling Akles Carpet One or going to see them or going to their website, AklesCarpetOne.com. The Akel name has a wonderful reputation in Arkansas for many, many years of selling you the most beautiful and the best carpet, luxury vinyl, hardwood tile, kitchen and bath, all the different products. They've helped me with the home I just built. My uh, tile is on back order. Oh, it's the coolest tile. It's the Dow tile. Uh, They brought it out to me recently to show me. They just brought the samples out. The customer service is so outstanding with Akel's Carpet One. And guys, they beat the big box stores. Yeah. You want to go ahead and stop your recorder and rewind it? Yes, they beat the big box stores in their price definitely their selection and quality. They can do it all. No matter where you are listening to this podcast, check them out, go to their website and start getting that kitchen that you want, that new hardwood, the new tile, the new flooring. They can help with all of it at AklesCarpetOne.com. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, this is the perfect person to have on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast because school has now started all over the country, Dr. Glusman, Dr. Mom. And what's the biggest adjustment you moms had to make? Because I'm out of that season. I'm a grandmother now, so I forget the anxiety you have both as parent and child getting ready for school. What was your biggest hurdle getting everybody, you know, your your child back to school and everybody back in routine? Well, for me, Lisa, I'm a mom too. I'm Dr. Guzman, and I I have a nine-year-old. And some kids, and as a pediatrician, um, uh, some kids had school last year, and some didn't. Most didn't, I believe. And it's been a lot of time at home, and there are a lot of fears out there with um, with with COVID and new variants, and just like a lot of parents are confused about what to feed their child because they've been home so much. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions like that, um, a lot of concerns, of course, about infections. I have my personal concerns as a, as a holistic pediatrician, and my personal concerns is most kids didn't get sick for like a year and a half. Um, I've worked in a hospital setting this whole time, um, working with hospitalized pediatric patients, and it's been fortunately very quiet. The normal illnesses that kids get because they're in school, they weren't getting. So my concern beyond what am I going to feed my kid when she goes back to school? And, you know, the regular like infection and, and masks and all those really great questions that parents have. The number one concern that I have as a holistic pediatrician is immune systems being down and not engaged as much as they typically would be if kids were in school this whole time. I've always likened it. And of course, I'm 12 years away from a medical degree. I know nothing, but I've always likened it uh, with my own kids getting 
viruses and illnesses is that it strengthened their immune system for the next battle. Now, I know I may have oversimplified that, but I know um, a- after having COVID myself, it, it was easy for me. I know it's not for everybody, but it was not a difficult time. But I thought in my mind that strengthened my immune system for anything else because, you know, I really worked hard taking my zinc and my vitamin C and my glutathione and those things. So is that kind of the thinking, Dr. Mom, here in this is that you do need a few things along the way so that when the big battle comes, your body's ready? I do truly believe that, that yes. And um, right now the thinking in medicine, it shifts all the time. If you go back in time and, and like, there's always a swing. It's one way or the other. I feel like in every form of treatment, it swings all the time. And right now it's swinging to clean, clean, clean. Everything must be clean. And there are good reasons for that, but then you can overdo it. So what we've been seeing in general in the past like 15, 20 years in the health of kids today is the immune systems are not as strong because the microbiomes are not as diverse. And the good news is that we can easily test that with functional medicine testing. We could do a non-invasive, not painful, like stool or urine test to see exactly what kind of bugs are living in our guts. Some bugs are good. Some bugs are pathogenic or not so great for us. Um, And so having a diversity and mostly good guys is what keeps us healthy from start to finish. That's the foundation of all health. Without that, no, no supplement will work. We need to have a, a, a right, the right microbiome, a diverse, healthy microbiome in our body and especially in our gut. What we've been seeing with cleaning all the time, um, using a lot of like uh, sanitizers, um, in general, like a lot of antibiotic use. And now uh, we're seeing less and less exposure to the environment, like to other kids and and dirt and grass and playground, etc., is that the immune system is not able to mature properly, which usually happens with the right microbiome and the right germ exposure. So what's the first step a parent should take listening to this? What's the first thing they should do? So a great question. I've been getting this a lot uh, before school starts. And I think not just before school starts, because we have to defend ourselves all the time. In most places around the country, we know in medicine and pediatric medicine, that fall is going to be nuts. As soon as school starts, it's going to get busy in hospitals and doctor's offices because of all this, these new exposures. The, the key is not to prevent exposures to other humans and to their germs. The key is to have a resilient and strong immune system where a virus will just be a virus and it's going to run its course very briefly. You'll maybe have a sniffle here and there, and maybe a fever, but that's not going to last for a whole week. And you certainly won't need to use antibiotics for a super infection because your body is not able to fight off everything else that can grow when there's a small little virus. Most childhood illnesses are viral. The key is not to prevent that. The key is to make sure that the the illnesses are short-lived and mild and don't land your kid in the hospital or even visiting your doctor's office. So how to do that? Well, I think there's like multiple steps. Um, this, I think this could be like a six hour, hour, uh, conversation, but I've got nothing but time. <laughs> I, but I'm a huge fan of making things really simple because it is really simple. Number one, make sure that the microbiome of your whole entire family is diverse and healthy. And what that means is not necessarily going to buy, um, probiotics. 
because very, yes, they're popular, but very often they're not alive and they might not be that great for you. It really depends on what you're getting. It's hard to know, but to eat fermented foods. And I always say a fermented day keeps the doctor away. Yes. It's not apples anymore. It's ferments. There's nothing like right. fermented foods, which are things like sauerkraut um, and something called beet kvass and kombucha, fermented foods. There's nothing as potent as them, as easily accessible, as delicious, as natural. Um, they have a ton of other incredible health benefits. And they're kind of like lost in our society. They're not very popular, uh, but there's nothing as potent as them to restore a healthy and diverse microbiome. And that's the foundational step for having a resilient immune system is having a diverse microbiome in the gut, especially. That's number one. Uh, second way, what can you do now to make sure that your child's immune system is resilient for fall? I would say get a ton of sunshine. And with that comes vitamin D. So, you know, sunshine is actually a nutrient. It doesn't just, it doesn't just like give you vitamin D production in your skin, which is natural and amazing, but it also sinks the circadian clock. So getting a ton of sunshine, not when it's too hot where you'll burn, but like before 10 a.m. is always safe. After 4 p.m. is pretty safe, depending on where you are in the country. Real life sunshine on your skin. And I know I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of, uh, pushback on this because in general we'll, we've been hearing like sun is bad sun is bad keep away from sun no matter what go outside with all the sunscreen in a whole wide world even if you're driving in even if your kid is in the car even if you're just going to get mail in the mailbox down the street sunscreen i actually think that this is doing more harm than good a lot of sunscreen so have a lot of chemicals it's uh it's too much and vitamin d levels of kids and adults in this country is super low and having a, a proper vitamin d count that's derived as naturally as possible is what's going to keep your child and your whole family from getting really sick if they encounter some kind of illness. Um, then what? Let's talk about the sunscreens just a minute because that was that so many of them were pulled this summer uh, because of carcinogenic uh, levels or whatever, just not healthy. And you know, if you look at it, um, our grandparents never had. I mean, cell, they, a few may, I'm not making a blanket statement, didn't have melanomas and some other things. Now, some of them did who work, lived the land. I mean, we're in Arkansas, so an agriculture state. But um, I, I've seen that the skin cancer values and numbers have gone up in the last 30 years with this obsession to sl completely lather these kids up and adults up when with, with the sunscreen, don't you then block the vitamin D? Yes, you do block the vitamin D. So you can't- That's silly. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very controversial and there's a lot I of know. misinformation. So yes, this is a fact. If you get burned a lot, you have a higher risk of getting skin cancer. Right. No one's saying go get burned in the sun. You could wear right. protective clothes, wear a hat, but there are certain times of day that you're not, you know that you're not gonna get burned when you go outside because it's in the morning, it's not in the middle of the day when the sun is right above you towards the evening. So that's like one misinformation piece. Yes, the skin, fact, the skin cancer rates are rising. There are many different reasons for that. Uh, one of them is definitely some of the chemicals in sunscreen. And, and we know that because they're being pulled. And listeners, please, right now, if you're interested, go write, write this down, Environmental Working Group. That is a website where you can track all the ingredients that we know scientifically of common products. So you write down like, this is my sunscreen name. 
and that what I've been using and they'll tell you what's in it and what we know scientifically about each ingredient. So it's not going to tell you like, this is a great sunscreen, buy it. It's completely um, unbiased. It's just pure science. We know that right. this ingredient is very carcinogenic. That one causes um, endocrine disruption, blah, blah, blah. So then at least you can make better choices when you're picking sunscreens. Maybe you'll pick physical ones instead of chemical ones for your little one. And your young children are so much more susceptible to toxic injury than adults. So they're oh, not, wow. little, that not is... small adults. Yeah, like, that's that. profound. Yeah, we, we see that when we look at uh, things that we can't control out in the environment, like like uh, air pollution in your town. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. But small children breathe faster at baseline than adults, so they're getting a lot more of that pollution. We know that from uh, when we spray our lawns with certain kinds of chemicals so that there's no weeds. Who's running on that grass? Your child, mostly. When we clean our- Well, you say that. You yeah. say that. Parents have kept their- Because parents are right. so worried about a germ, yeah. they've kept their kids inside, which doesn't benefit, again, back to the microbiome. Yeah. Or Okay. Or the floor cleaner you're using your household. Right. You, could right. also use, you could also use the Environmental Working Group database to check uh, common ingredients and, and, and ratings of how toxic or not toxic- your usual cleaners in your house are. I really highly recommend you do that right now. Without guilt or shame, just go and check. You don't have to throw anything out, but then you can make better choices. So who's crawling on that kid? It's the toddler, it's the infant learning to crawl or the toddler, et cetera, et cetera. So that, and also children have a longer life in front of them. And so the injury that they're getting now, toxic effects that they're experiencing now are going to last them longer. So we're talking about a completely different situation. So I don't know if it really matters for somebody who's who's a lot older, what kind of, you know, it, it always matters, but but I it's it's just a, a such a sensitive topic for kids. So that's sunscreen. So I know, I'm like, I know every time I go and I speak about sunscreen and limiting or being more conscientious of its use, it's a lot of pullback. Uh, yes, it's also true that you can't always get all the vitamin D from the sun it depends on where you live if you live in the northeast us um like because in the winter it's all gray or towns where it's raining a lot um you might need to supplement vitamin d levels and that's one of the few a vitamin d supplement is one of the very few supplements that i use and recommend Okay. Well, and that could sure be daily up great. to, I know the prescription could be 50 to a thousand, a hundred thousand IUs in a week. So if you're taking it just um, over the counter that, you know, they're gel caps a lot of times, what do you think is a good daily dose for that? So the truth is, is that the way that people absorb and, um, and metabolize vitamin D supplements is so varied that it's worth doing a blood test once in a while to check because you could always give a large dose to catch you up or maybe you're getting too much and the doses are so varied and the recommended amount is such a huge range and i i, I say stick to the higher end of the recommended blood value that's rec that's because it's like big range and it depends on the age too and there are a lot of illnesses that are are uh, the risk for having severe illness are decreased like I, vitamin D supplementation is very helpful for kids who have eczema and is extremely helpful for kids whose immune systems or adults, I guess, because I'm a kid doctor, so I'm assuming it's the same for adults, but um, 
if you're trying to make sure that you have a high risk of getting very sick, I would vitamin D is one of the most protective things you can do. So it's worth getting a blood test once in a while. And if you're going to get a blood test, absolutely remind your your physician to add on that vitamin D level. Yeah, very, very important. Okay, anything we are talking about this um, during this conversation, I'm putting in the show notes because ewg.org is a, a place that I hang out. And it's just a reminder to people to check things out for that, definitely. Um, so we've got the delicious cultured um, fermented sauerkraut. Uh, beet kvass is hard to find, by the way. A friend of mine makes it here, but it's hard to find. Um, so the good things, of all, even sourdough bread, doesn't that have it? Isn't that fermented or cultured product? It is of? a fermented culture product, but if, yes. we're, if we're using uh, fer ferments as medicine, we're going to need to stick to uh, fruits and veggies that are fermented. Okay, like perfect. We can do that. Optimally. You could right. ferment so anything, carrots, fruit, anything, any fruit or veggie. Yeah, that's true. Really? In fact, Thank our... You. Oh, yes. Oh, delicious. Our Again, back to grandparents or great-grandparents, before refrigeration, everything, just about, they would pickle anything and not just pickling we're talking about there's the mother culture the mother bacteria in this so it's a little more than just putting it in a jar with uh, vinegar but it's a start so we've got two things we've got the vitamin d we've got the fermented and cultured vegetables and this is obviously not just um you're, you're dr mom but also dr nelly is saying even for adults these are good things to implement for our health so what do you have next in your layer in your arsenal uh, sinking the circadian clock. So, Ooh. so I know, I know that if kids were home all summer, most of them have been calling, going to sleep a little later than they would be when they had school. And most are waking up a little later. And it's really hard to just put your kids to sleep at that right that time that is school appropriate and then wake them up. So you need a little time to adjust. So, oh. well, tell me this then, what, if kids are falling asleep on the way home, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear parents say, pick them up from school, sound asleep in the backseat. Does that mean they're playing too hard at school, which is a good thing, or are they not getting enough rest at night? Or do kids just need a nap still? Even young elementary kids will fall asleep when they're being picked up from school or, or after school activities. That's a really great question. So most of the time, um, I think that a lot of times if there's concern, the best the best thing to do would be to keep a sleep diary. And you have to be honest with yourself, moms and dads, just write down exactly what time your kid actually fell asleep. That's number one. Keep a sleep diary. Actually be honest and write down for like a week. What time is your kid waking up, going to sleep, and what time is your kid actually waking up? And most times parents are off by like an hour and a half. Like they, they say my kid goes to sleep at eight, uh, but what actually happens is they're, they are like in bed till like 9.30. So that's fine, but you have to adjust for that. So it could be not enough sleep. That's like one. Two, it could be something else. It could be, are they snoring or are they sleeping with their mouth open? And both oh. of those things must be addressed with your pediatrician because they might not be getting quality sleep and that can affect them in the long run. There are many, many different uh, phases of life where Maybe the adenoids, which are like lymph nodes in the back of the nose, maybe they're inflamed or too large, and maybe it's a it's it's just a breathing issue. Maybe it's um, 
Maybe it's the jaw development. There are a lot of different issues that must be, be talked about with the pediatrician. So if your kid is sleeping and they're snoring or they're sleeping with their mouth open, that must be addressed with your pediatrician and the quality of sleep might be affected severely. And that could influence not just sleep, but growth, development, digestion, and learning. Yeah, cognitively. Um, yeah. I mean, if you don't get enough rest, how mm -hmm. you can't function the next day. Mm -hmm. um, that's where parents, and every parent does this, you check on your babies when they're sleeping. That it's a good check to think, do I hear, no if you hear noise from the other room, and what do they do? I mean, are there sleep specialists then for pediatric patients? There are. There, there. It depends. It will depend on what the problem is. So it might be a visit to the ear, nose, and throat doctors or further right. figure out what's going on. It might be some X-rays. It might be going to the dentist. Um, it might be a, a, a jaw development and teeth issue. So the range of of issues is so varied. But it would probably mean um, seeking getting a specialist. Or it could be something simple as just like, maybe it's just a cold and that's going to go away. So it really depends. Maybe it's allergies. That's a big one too. Um, and then what kind of allergies? And some of those uh, remedies are simple and some are not so simple. So that's that's another question you have to ask yourself as parents if your kid is falling asleep in the back, back seat. Now, yes, some people, some kids just need naps after sleeping. A good, a good way to know if there's a problem is ask your kid's teacher if they're falling asleep in the middle of class. That's a red flag. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. So those are some things to ask yourself to troubleshoot why your child might be falling asleep in the middle of the day, or it could be normal. It could be absolutely normal, and there's, you know, there's something about a call ride that's super soothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Ones, you know? uh, now, now in the 21st century, um, I've always thought kids had way too many after school activities and I limited mine because I'm a mean mother. But I, when I, that was posted recently to social media that a, a leading pediatrician said there are too many activities, I got a lot of pushback from people saying, but Lisa, in this day and age with the uh, competition of electronic devices, they said, I feel better with my kid going and playing basketball after school rather than sitting in a chair playing a video game or on his or her device. What, what's your whole philosophy on activities? And then, I mean, gosh, how do parents keep kids off devices? That may be a whole nother topic too. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is my biggest parenting struggle personally. I, I, um, I struggle with this every, I, sometimes I'm winning and sometimes I'm epically losing. <laughs> Right, right. So <laughs> I've, I, yes, screen time, whether that be Zoom school or television or right. video games, it's just like the worst. Like all those right. games, <clears throat> they are YouTube for kids. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of screen time. And um, limiting that is very important, in my opinion. It's really, really important for many reasons. If your kid is on, on a screen, that means they're not doing something else that might be more enriching to them. So I'm not saying it's like the worst thing in the world. And my kid is right now uh, on her screen because I needed her to be super extra, for sure, not bothering me while I record. Right, right. <laughs> and I, so I'm totally, uh, so what I've learned um, is, what's worked for me, and every family is different, is uh, screen time is kind of done when everything else is it's limited it's has a specific time and place so it's like very conscientious screen time homework needs to be done there's 
it's not too late. That's really important. You cannot you cannot have screens in front of your kid late because this, the melatonin production won't be proper and your kid won't be getting quality sleep. So that's like as for us too. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there are blue light blocking sunglasses that restrict blue light from screens, but that's not a hundred percent. They block some blue light. So, so I think that having just like a very conscientious plan with screen time is a great idea. Always, um, having too many after school activities. I have no, I don't know. I, every kid is different. Every family is different. I think that it's important to still have time to do at least like 10 minutes, one-on-one with your kid or kids like if you can't fit 10 minutes to spend with your child a day doing something that's free play with them whatever they want to do that's not screen time um (laughs) then then you may be over booking them so that's like one way to gauge it uh another way to another question is i don't know if parents always i'm guilty of this i don't know if parents always ask their kids if they feel overbooked like in the middle of last year, my kid was like, I am overwhelmed. I just want to spend the day at home. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I overdid it. I'm trying to make her excellent in life. So maybe ask your child how they feel about it, depending on their age and and and, and the situation. It's just some ideas. Um, and it's better to be playing basketball outside than playing than sitting on a screen. That's my opinion too. So I, I totally get those parents. Right. And a lot and of people I, and I see that home too. So, um, yeah. so you know, it might seem like, oh my gosh, like I don't get to spend any time with my kid because my kid's always in the other room and I never spend time with them. But just because they haven't had school in the middle of the year or their home and your home doesn't, it's a perspective. It just means that you haven't walked to work. The same thing is happening. So that's my take on it from personal, personal woes that are very near and dear to my heart. Right. And again, I'm 20 years removed from this. Mine are, you know, my kids are in their 20s, so I'm not facing that. And when I made the statement, when I backed up with the uh, pediatrician, it said, um, my kids had a device. It was a computer, but we could shut it off. It had a nanny program on it, shut off after two hours and we were done. But now kids have to use their devices for one thing to access their learning. And But I think one thing, um, what kids miss kind of and you, you kind of addressed it too, just it's the being outside, it's looking for the four leaf clover or playing dodgeball or, you know, going to get the mail. I mean, anything just, you know, I, I just wish there was something to go outside. Well, speaking of being outside, my new thing is I'm into grounding every day. I go outside in the dirt and I love it. I mean, I love it. I do just some yoga stretching and some other things because I've been reading so much and I, when I have my grandchildren, I take their shoes off. But they're like, Gabby, you can't take, I have to wear shoes because, you know, her, their mother, my daughter has taught them you must wear shoes so you don't, you know, scrape your feet or we're going in the car. So it's kind of a battle. But what, what's your feeling on the whole grounding and being outside in the dirt? Okay. Uh, so I, I have very strong feelings on this topic. I feel like grounding, what that means is going outside on dirt like not on cement or in the city. Right, not on cement, right. In a forest or in a park or in your yard mm-hmm. or somewhere where there's nature and it's not like turf, but real real life nature, not inner city patch of grass. If that's available to you, um, you need to go outside every day with your shoes off. 
to sync up the electric. It, there's many different uh, theories behind it. Uh, I'm not going to go into them because I'm not an expert in grounding and there are experts in it. Uh, but I can tell you that you most people feel much, much, much better when they do this consistently for like a week or a month. You'll know the difference. You'll feel the difference. Just a quick little break here to tell you what I've embarked on and I'm asking if you want to join me. I'm a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and if anything about investing both financially in your future and in your health sounds appealing, I want you to go to the show notes and click on the link to get more information. People, health coaching is the future. Major news organizations are focusing on this fact. That's because the amount of people with health issues, really serious health issues, continues to grow. We need more health coaches to help steer people to good health. You could be the very conduit to get them there. I chose the six-month course with IIN. My daughter chose the year-long course. It's up to you. Either way, we'll have our certifications in no time. I love my classes at IIN. Names you recognize, Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Andrew Weil. So many people have been our instructors and it's helped me get healthier. Click on the show notes, get more information. Now back to the interview. So as a, a, a pediatrician that works in a hospital setting for more than 10 years, I can say that I've never seen a kid come in to the hospital, get hospitalized, or even come to, into the emergency room for being outside with, with no shoes on. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, unless you like step on a nail and you, where in the world is a rusty nail going to right. come your way right. in the middle of nature? <laughs> so that's like the worst thing. <laughs> so the benefits far outweigh the risk. You're not going to, f your child will not get um, illnesses and unlikely, very unlikely. It just doesn't happen. So it might seem like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But but the, in my opinion, the benefits outweigh the risk. My mom is going to murder me because I'm saying this right now. So it really is the <laughs> It's very cultural. It, de it really depends it on is. how you grew up, where you grew up, what the worries were. It really also depends on where you live now and what opportunities there are. But if you can't ground, if you, if there's no space, then maybe take a, a weekend and go into the forest or go hiking. That's like another version. It's, it's called forest bathing. Nature oh, is okay. healing. Nature is healing. Because part of the philosophy behind this, though, is I know it's the electoral current or something magical like that yeah. but doesn't it also feed our microbiome yes it does so we, we isn't that amazing yeah. how important the microbiome is that yes. even walking outside feeds it yeah and also kissing your dog on <laughs> periodically is very good for your microbiome oh and there's so for the good bacteria that you swap back and forth right i really truly believe that it's health so we know this it's not my opinion it's a uh, Kids who grew up with, with animals they and adults, they've tested their microbiomes and they end up having a healthy and more diverse microbiome. If they have a dog and they interact their, with their dog closely, meaning sometimes there's going to be a lick on your face. <laughs> so this is also very controversial and I have not seen anybody sick because of this growing right. up. Right, right. So like, yeah, I mean, you have to do risk-benefit analysis. So it's easy to say, um, like, there are so many in 
immediate dangers when you go outside with your feet on the ground or if your dog licks your face, you could immediate danger. You could get really sick, you could get diarrhea, you could get infections, blah, blah, blah. But the problem with um, looking at just the immediacy is it's hard to say like long-term. Microbiome, you can't really see with the naked eye. It's not as immediate. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a, an increasing number of kids who have chronic childhood illness. It's kind of, unfortunately, uh, rising very rapidly. Things like eczema, allergies, and asthma. When you listeners, when you were in elementary school, I have a challenge for you. Uh, did you know anyone that had a food allergy, like anaphylactic food allergy, where they had to walk around with an EpiPen, and if they even thought about a peanut, they would have to be hospitalized, and it was life-threatening? Because right now, two, an average of two kids in an average-sized classroom has an anaphylactic food allergy, meaning they can't go anywhere with an EpiPen. School nurses' uh, offices are lined with like walls from floor to ceiling of EpiPens for kids for emergencies. Mom and dad have to walk around with EpiPens everywhere they go. Um, it's considered to be normal now to have nut allergies, but it's actually the, the last thing from normal. Just because a lot of kids have this problem doesn't make it normal. And it's changed so much. And I don't, I'm afraid that people are not noticing that this is, a, this is not the norm. To, for for you, your kid's school to have a no-nut policy. This is very new, and the numbers are climbing, climbing, climbing. Um, so that's the bad news. But the good news is that there's so much you can do to help uh, reverse some of these issues over time. Like what? Starting, isn't it now they're saying start giving nuts when they're one or two to see what happens? Um, the more, even more so is is very early start thinking about microbiome health for your child and gut health. So and you think those allergies that are connected yeah. to um, our microbiomes not being diverse, lack of diversity. Yeah, and also a very fragile endothelial lining, which is the whole lining of cells between your mouth and anus. It's, it's very thin, it's one cell layer th thick. And when, there are, when it doesn't have the right integrity, large molecules which shouldn't be getting into our bloodstream can get into our bloodstream and the, the body mounts which are like the, the food allergies and the seasonal allergies etc dog allergies like seemingly normal things in the environment grass trees blah, 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 all those things those molecules are might be getting into the bloodstream and the body is saying this is foreign we need to mount a very appropriate immune response and that's a very simplified version of why there are so many kids and adults who have things like food allergies and seasonal allergies and environmental allergies and eczema and asthma. So this is like a super uh, simplified version of this. But the good news is that you can, if you start to heal the gut of a child and, and then restore the microbiome, you could reverse a lot of these issues and you, you can make sure that your child will not develop worsening of these issues. And also your child is not, is like actually going to outgrow it because most kids are not outgrowing it anymore. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, then this is all tied back to something I love to talk about and that's nutrition. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, if people don't understand that they are pawns in the food game and big pharma game, they don't, they're not paying attention. And so uh, we know Big Pharma wants your kid to be on every antibiotic from the minute it's born to he when he graduates high school. 
But also the food manufacturers, we know manufacture foods to circumvent um, satiety levels, um, just all the things and, and what it does to our microbiome. So let's talk a little bit about uh, nutrition and nourishment. Where, where do we start with that with kids? Okay. Of course, great. fermented vegetables is good. Yeah, great question. I think that there's, it's not like one size fits all unless you're talking right. about sugar. Okay. Right. So I, w- I would say all processed sugars, and that includes your like organic, I don't know, brown sugar, coconut sugar, all the sugars, <clears throat> stevia. Well, Do you include honey in that? No, except honey, honey except raw, okay. raw, unfiltered, local honey okay. that's right. raw and like local. That is a, that's great. This is a healing food. Okay. It's, it's a very healthy sweetener. Everything else is very dangerous, especially in large quantities. And what is a large quantity? Like we're, Kids are on average getting 20 times more sugar than they need to be getting. And that could be from candy. It could be from baked goods, but it could also be from hidden sugars and all of the processed foods that they've been eating. This is a huge problem, huge, giant. If you're going to change anything, it's start to remove sugar. Fruit is, is great. Honey is wonderful in moderation, of course, of course. But so it's an absolute no. And like, what about, I don't know, you name it. Whatever you're thinking, parents, <laughs> it's, a, it's a processed sugar. Even if they tout it as the most natural sugar, um, even worse is artificial sugar. That, that's even worse. Right. Um, they're dangerous. Artificial sugars won't give you that. They're chemical, and they also don't give you the, they don't satiate you properly. So, right. And right. they're extremely addictive. The- um, the brain gets involved. The like, brain is tricked yes. in, in not recognizing the leptin, ghrelin and leptin levels or the leptin, YY peptide. I mean, all the nerdy things about um, mTOR. I mean, there's so many things that go into that. But when people realize that it sometimes isn't their fault then that their child might be battling obesity or other things, it, it, they might be being manipulated by the very foods they ingest. Yeah. So we start with sugar and... So the world of trying to figure out what is healthy food and what isn't is extremely overwhelming. Like I, the reason I became a holistic pediatrician was because my kid was sick and I was overwhelmed. Even as a, I was already a pediatrician, I worked with hospitalized kids. I was really great at making sure that when they're hospitalized, I could get them better. I could get them home to their parents. Wonderful. Great. I, I felt like I was spectacular and rocking it as a pediatrician. And then my kid would get sick, like, non-stop and every little virus would turn into a bacterial infection and for me as well there was this one year she was about three and she was on seven courses of antibiotics for sinus infections she couldn't fight anything off neither could i and i just couldn't believe that this was the best that i could do for my kid as, as a as a doctor as a pediatrician it was horrible i felt so overwhelmed and so guilty and so nervous for her health and it was that, I mean, it was just terribly sad. And um, and I spent a lot of time trying to to sort out the world of of fad versus fact versus what does it really mean to be healthy. It took me like a year to figure out the difference between root cause medicine versus Band-Aid solutions. So 
getting the information was really hard, even as a pediatrician, um, conventional medicine and holistic medicine are so different. Both have their place in medicine. They're just so, so different. It's like you need to treat illnesses with medications. And this is life-saving medicine, conventional medicine, life-saving medicine. But you need to also be doing something to restore health and to give your child the building blocks they need to be healthy. It took me years to figure this out. It was super overwhelming. So once I did figure it out, and I'm still learning, mom, you listeners, like this is a never-ending process, and we have to always be learning and try not to feel guilty along the way. So once I figured it out, I opened, um, and I I healed her. She's doing wonderfully, thank goodness. Um, I opened uh, my holistic pediatric practice in New York, Blossom Pediatrics, and... Uh, and I developed like a, a course for parents. But the question is like, what is, you ask like, where do we start? I always start with removing sugar. Um, I have a 30 day virtual program for parents that are not in New York, but anywhere in the world. Great. can sign Great. up and do this with me. And I take them step by step of, of how to remove the, all the inflammation and to restore the microbiome and to heal their gut. And its focus is kids who have eczema and allergies and asthma but i think that it's a very nutritionally based program and the point is to heal the gut to remove toxicity and to make your child resilient but we always start with removing sugar and that's usually the most difficult step because kids are addicted to sugar and it's going there's going to be a lot of pushback but you know what after like a week of two or two of having no artificial sugar in their lives they don't miss it they don't ask for the sweets anymore they feel great um, wh- where do you stand then on, I saw some food the other day and it was marketed to adults, but they feed it to their kids. And I think it should be blown off our shelves and no one should eat it, but that's my opinion. It's, um, it was a zero fat. It was all these zeros for the yogurt. I can't remember which brand okay. it is. So one of which the- makes it just, ju- it's a Franken food by that yeah. point. They've removed all the good stuff. Yeah. So one of the reasons why there's such a huge epidemic, this is a fact, one of the reasons why there's an epidemic of obesity for the past 20 or so years for both adults and kids is because of this push towards no fat, low fat. What you're doing when you take away the, the healthy fat that every person needs, the right kind of healthy fat, when you, when you make something low fat or no fat, you have to replace it with sugar. So we have a sugar right. epidemic. We removed all the fat. Everyone got. Everyone is struggling now with sugar addiction in in the world of like conventional food eating. Um, so I'm very much against re- t- changing and altering the natural product to comply with a certain diet. It's processed foods or processed foods. So I'm very much against that. So you know the, where you can start is like look at the ingredients. Is it um, milk has fat in it? Okay, why right. do you need to remove it and to add sugar to it? What's the purpose of that? So right, it's very dangerous, and there's a lot of misinformation. Um, I could recommend a really, really great book that that was my what first that? step to um to like in. I read this book. I read it again, and now I recommend it to um, every single resident physician and medical student that I teach um, and that it's called the dirt cure and it's by another holistic pediatrician. Her name is Dr. She treat. It's called the dirt okay. cure and it's very easy to read. It's 
it's it's excellent and it's it's actually part of the curriculum that I make my students and future doctors read because it's a really comprehensive way to start understanding nutrition and and the importance of it when it comes to health for kids especially I love that and I'll all this in the show notes especially for your website um to so people can take that course I tell you a book that kind of changed my life 30 years ago really right before my children were born and it was Dr. Doris Rapp is this your child and it first it was the first book that introduced me to chemicals and food processing that was affecting us and uh, from allergies and then the connection between allergies and eczema I do have redheaded children and so they are a little more anyway a little more susceptible to some things so I just I remember having to work harder I was kind of working against the current in doing things because that's when people would say well here's this product but it was all processed foods so you know again this isn't new it's just that our food processing has gotten that's why I called it a Franken foods now what used to be just a loaf of bread which is obviously processed but now the loaf of bread has this and that and this and that's turned into this and it, it's our bodies don't even look at it sometimes as food you know it's it's just a foreign substance so uh, enough of my ted talk on that but um which brings me to my other big thing i've learned it as a student um at the institute for integrative nutrition in new york and that is um and of course they're we're talking a lot about adults in our classes but it's wheat and you know the wheat belly author dr uh, william davis was one of our instructors so i know that there's a connection i'm seeing the connection between wheat and schizophrenia wheat and dementia but we're talking about an older population what's your opinion on the younger children and wheat okay great question so we know that in, in conventional medicine mainstream medicine we know that there are some people who have celiac disease and right. sometimes that's a, a real allergy, like a, a allergy to a severe allergy to gluten and in in wheat. Um, it's testable. It's easy to diagnose, and the solution is to avoid it. That's the main. There's nothing. There's no such thing as like sensitivity to wheat in mainstream medicine. So few doctors are able to talk about it in conventional mainstream medicine. But what I can tell you is a lot of people are sensitive to to gluten and wheat in general is a very processed food and it has yeah. mostly been grown with tons of glyphosates which are very harmful right. to children and adults and it's it's manipulated to such an extent the wheat farming that it might cause a lot of inflammation in our kids. So one of the things that we do when I when I work families to when I work with families to reverse eczema and allergies and any chronic medical condition is I remove gluten from that child's diet for like a month or two. So even if they don't have a, a allergy or a direct allergy like a celiac disease to gluten or wheat, it's very inflammatory to a lot of kids. And if you're trying to heal a body and restore health, you want to minimize the inflammatory foods. So I, I'm, I think that, you know, if there's no problem and a child is healthy and they can eat it, moderation is key. But the amounts of white bread and, and, and processed wheat that kids are eating, I mean, think about it. Everything is white, pizza, pasta, 
your grilled cheese, uh, chicken fingers that are covered, chicken nuggets that are covered in, um, in like uh, breadcrumbs, right? All right. these things all that kids it. are eating. It's all white, 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 white wheat. And um, I think that when you're eating a lot of these, when your child is eating a lot of these foods, they're not eating the things that give them the building blocks they need to heal. So there are much more nutritious choices out there. And it well, was a lot eat of the rainbow. Yes, eat the yeah, rainbow. Just and yeah, just eat, eat the rainbow. Eat everything color that's not processed. Fruits and vegetables, and stocks and broths, and fermented foods, things that are seasonal, local, organic. Shop the outer, um, the outer aisles of the supermarket, not the middle, not the processed foods. In cans and jars and boxes, as much as you can. Right, there are times you have to. My other new thing is the seed oils and removing those from my diet. And so that leaves me with, I'm, I'm a home cook, so I use butter, ghee, olive oil, and avocado oil. I think that's about it. Coconut. Well, you know what else I found? Pork lard. We, I get yes. my local farmers, I, I get uh, the local farmer that I shop with, I, I get her pork products and then her lard from that. And I, I cook with that and it's, I put it on my hands. Yes. It makes my hands look younger. <laughs> yes, it's uh, or beef tallow, which is like- Yeah, beef tallow. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, so most, I, he, I feel like most people don't know what that is when I ask them, do you know what pork lard is? <laughs> or beef tallow, it's not really sold much anywhere. It's like a very mm -hmm. traditional um, food, but it's one of the healthiest fats that you can eat. It was kind of removed from popular opinion when, when oh. in the US we went on yeah. no fat, let's have processed uh, fake fats. Margarine. Feed oil. Yeah. Margarine is like the scariest thing that ever happened. Uh, it's ever. It's straight linked to, to disease. So the way to heal is, is yes, natural fats from animals, lard, tallow. Um, and yes, I do use that for kids who have eczema to put it on their skin. The only negatives that are oh. might stay closed, but the positive is that it's one of the most organic, natural, holistic, and healthy ways that is better than any other moisturizer that I've encountered, to be honest. For okay, good. Eczema. See, my, my hands look younger. Yeah. <laughs> and and coconut oil. I use coconut oil too. Yeah. I was trying to think of the things that I cook with, but removing um, the things that were sold to us in the 90s, for sure, when we were told to cut back on uh, certain types of fat and other things, which now, again, I go back to food manufacturers and big farmer, you know, just <laughs> these things that are trying to sell us things that aren't great for us. So, well, it, it's a lot, you know, we just talked about this is bad, 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 right? Which seems overwhelming in my opinion. Like it, it, I'm overwhelmed right now just talking about it because there's so many <laughs> very dangerous right. things out there in the world. So some advice to families who, who want to, or, kind of start looking to improve the way that they eat is like find one really great source somebody a professional that that resonates with you and uh read their book or follow their advice or like take a course or um and the most important part in this process is don't feel guilty about them the decisions you've made or the lack of knowledge you had before you have to look forward because the guilt of, oh my gosh, I gave my kid this and that for years. I'm a terrible parent and I'm a terrible human and I ruined my whole, that can get, that 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 is uh, useless and very harmful and just unhealthy. So my advice is like one step at a time and just look ahead. There's no guilt in this whole process of, of, of learning and making better choices. 
Yeah, as a parent, you just have to realize, I didn't know better. I mean, none of us would ever purposely harm our children. It's never our intent. It's our intent is to love our children. So, which brings me to then, uh, I'm an intermittent faster, so it's been a long time since I've thought about breakfast, but, um, and my kids aren't home, so we really don't deal with it. But what are good breakfast choices since just about everything I can think of but eggs is crap? Anything you buy in a grocery store is crap. Well, yesterday I sat down because we're starting school too, and I'm trying to get it together myself. Like we're good luck. I I really want to have like a really (laughs) solid September. Right. This is the year. Right. So, uh, so I sat down and I, um, I like wrote a plan of what we're gonna eat. It helps me personally to plan. I don't always succeed. I'm a busy parent. I work a lot, so I think plans are really helpful. I recommend doing them if you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, so some of the things on my food plan is, um, and this is my kid told me with this, um, it's going to be real bacon, like farm, like like from my local right. picture, um, right. a little bit of bacon with, we have our own chickens. So, oh, good. so eggs galore. <laughs> uh, so it's good. Eggs with bacon and avocado um, is like one breakfast. Another breakfast is going to be um on a kind of busy day we're gonna have overnight oats oh good um, but yeah. yeah organic oats with yeah. hemp seeds flax seeds and fruit on top and honey on top to sweeten it um i really like chia it's very uh-huh. filling and to put mm-hmm. it into like a smoothie or like a, a chia pudding with a maybe like a, a milk or real milk true true milk or a yogurt that came from like jersey really high quality jersey a2 cows um if you have access to yogurt from like a raw uh pastured cow can can is it legal there to sell the un the raw milk so in new york you cannot buy raw milk um you can get it shipped from pennsylvania i don't think that raw milk is for everyone but fermented raw milk is yogurt so Right. That is not as dangerous. It's not going to give you disease. So um, that's another breakfast. Oh, and we're making, oh, here's a good one. Um, I've been making three ingredient almond flour bagels, which are pretty good. So try it out. <laughs> I don't have the exact. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Do tell. Yeah. Almond flour. Uh, right. So get the best quality almond flour, please. Um, okay. Egg and yogurt. Mix it together in a bowl. In, in a consistency that, like, there's really no great, great ratio. I'm still working on it. But uh, okay. in a consistency where you can, like, make a little ball and into, like, a little bagel shape. Put uh, tons of seeds on it. Like, an everything bagel seasoning. Ah, love or, it. Sure. Or you could throw any medicinal, you know, herb. Seeds are amazing. I You could even put, like, pumpkin seeds on it or sesame or all the seeds. And then that bakes in the oven for some time. I don't have the exact number. I just kind of look at it. And then we're going to put avocado on it uh, and anything else, like any other hemp seeds are, are really, really good for the brain. Are you staying away from the nightshades? Because sometimes oh. a lot of those things, I make my own salsa. Everyone, but do you worry about nightshades no. for a lot of people? No, not really. I mean, if there's a sensitivity to nightshades, it's not that common. So we don't have sensitivity to nightshades in this family. So we grow tomatoes and we love eggplants and we eat those things. And um, But if, of course, if you're sensitive to something, stay away from it. Um, 
but I also truly believe in eating food that is local, seasonal. So seasonal is key and local is key. So that's the difference between having a food that is empty and devoid of nutrients because it was grown somewhere else, like in a different part of the world. They had to pick it before it was ripe. They had to transport it here in some kind of gaseous environment so it doesn't ripen. Then it has to be in a in another environment that I, it's like gray area of what environment that is. It could be toxic. Sometimes they need to coat it with like wax so it doesn't ripen or spoil. And then it's sold to you as like the most perfect apple from God knows where. So right. that's so. not mm. for the sake of following a meal plan and saying this is healthy. This this is a healthy food from another part of the world when it's not seasonal or organic or or mostly like you know seasonal or local um the the benefit to like following that meal plan is just it's not worth it so right now we're in the middle of like a beautiful harvest in the northeast things are growing and ripening and so when people ask me like what should i feed my kid i'm like whatever's local and seasonal in your farmer's market whatever's growing right now and when we enter winter months then you have less options but right now it's tomato season in in where i am and we're eating a lot of tomatoes and berries and all the good stuff that's available to us right now um so that's what we'll be eating we're just gonna go and see what's available that's that's harvested this week locally dr mom i'm sick we're out of time i could talk to you for hours 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 i have a million questions so i might have to do this again with you when if especially if somebody kind of spawns my interest in another pediatric uh thing but just going back to i love everything everything you're selling i'm buying so (laughs) (laughs) thanks it was such a pleasure to chat with you thanks for listening to the lisa fisher said podcast Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.